is the Marshand and Oran Sports Media Podcast. I'm Andrew Marshand. He's John Oran. And we are glad you're joining us for our third episode of our podcast. And we're happy you found it. You can find it on Apple or Spotify. Obviously, you've made it there. We're also on YouTube. Fancy graphics. Fancy graphics, indeed. All right, we, we have a lot on this show this week. We have the NBA and NHL starting. We have soccer deals we want to talk about. ESPN, will they spin off? Sunday Night Baseball, some Yankee news with John Sterling, and then MLB possibly going direct to consumer with streaming, and then we'll have our calls of the week to end the show. John, how are you? You know, you and I came up with, I think, about 10 different topics that we could have talked to today. Had to cull it down to five. Let's just jump right into it. It's our first segment, every single podcast, who's up, who's down. Who's up, who's down? Who's up, Laura Rutledge. Now, Laura Rutledge last week, uh, Sam Ponder was out because of protocols for COVID. She comes in on NFL Countdown, and she doesn't miss the beat, and I'd say the show was even better. Uh, and the reason she's on the way up for me, I like hard workers. And Laura Rutledge is doing NFL Live Daily. She's doing SEC Nation on the SEC Network on Saturday. She's got to travel for that. Then she came back and she filled in for Ponder. And if you look at the future of the NFL coverage for ESPN, look down the road to a Super Bowl one day. You said if you had to predict, and this is way, way down the road. We're talking 26, 27 season. Who's going to host that Super Bowl? I think there's a very good chance it's Laura Rutledge. I know there's a lot of things that have to happen to get there, but I could see that with Laura Rutledge. And what I like about her, hard worker. That's quite a ceiling that you have there for her. Yeah, no, it's high. It's a high ceiling, and I just think you look at the future. She's young. Uh, she already has a prominent role, and I think it's only going to get larger. All right, so then who's your down? On the way down, Sam Ponder. Who you just referenced. Yeah, it's not really Sam Ponder's fault. She was out in Arizona interviewing Cliff Kingsbury, who ended up having COVID, so she had to sit out last Sunday. And here's the thing. When you look at where ESPN is going, people like Ponder, who are only working one day a week, Susie Colburn, Monday, also one day a week, and they have someone like Laura Rutlett working every day of the week and fill in on Sundays. I just think where ESPN is going, where their salaries are going, if, you're not, if you don't have the tonnage, I just don't think there's going to be that star, star system. You know, there's not a Chris Berman anymore where you're, it's Sunday and he's doing countdown in primetime and it's Chris Berman. So, again, Sam Ponder's fine. She does a very good job, solid job. But I just think when you look at where ESPN is going, the Laura Rutledges who are working every day of the week, uh, basically, are the ones who are kind of on the way up. And if you're only working one day a week, I'm not sure if that's where I'd want to be in terms of your future at ESPN. Yeah, I get what you're saying. She's well-liked internally. She does a good job. I think her ceiling seems like somebody who should be potentially hosting, like you said Rutledge might be doing. Exactly. So, again, not against Sam Bonder, more of a compliment to Laura Rutledge. All right, John, on the way up, who do you got? Rita Farrow and John Diamond. Okay, now explain who they are. They're the top ad sales executives for Disney, ESPN, and for Turner. And this is the week that they're reaping all the revenue coming in from ad sales for the NBA getting ready to start. I think that this NBA season is going to be a huge season in terms of ratings and in terms of revenue for the NBA. First time in three seasons that they're going to have a full season. This season, they're going to finally have full arenas. Uh, yep. And not only that, they're going to have something that, uh, that we both love, the broadcasters at the games calling the games. So the, the TV product is going to look beautiful. It's going to sound great. They're going to see a lot more people watching these games during the regular season, and the ad sales are going to uh, be just through the roof. 
So I'm very happy for all of them at the at sales. Everyone will make more money. But I agree with you. We've seen the bump everywhere. <laughs> when there's been fans and the broadcasts are, are at the um, arenas or stadiums, there has been a difference, no doubt about it. All right, who's on the way down? On the way down, college football playoff. Listen, something that, uh, that... See, you always go like a playoff or something. I always make it personal and like a person. So that's always mad at you. The college football playoff can't call you. Yeah, they can't get say, mad at yeah, me. Exactly. Isn't that great? <laughs> He's the nice guy. We, we, we established that. All right, go ahead. My, my I apologize for interrupting you. Go ahead. The, uh, look, the NFL sold the wild card playoff game on Monday night to ESPN. This season, that's going to be on January 17th. The college football playoff this, this season is going to be on January 10th. So if they were going to expand the college football playoff, where does it go? Mm. They've been trying to avoid the, the NFL playoffs. And not only that, but ESPN, who's going to be carrying the college football playoff, actually is carrying that NFL game a week later. So college football is certainly going to expand its playoff. But it, it's going to have to So jump. wait, where does it go? Like, could it, it couldn't really go on the weekend because the NFL has that on lockdown. Could it be on a Tuesday? It's always awkward on go a Tuesday. Go Tuesday, go Wednesday, maybe a Thursday, Thursday. night. Who, okay. who knows where they could go? I think a Thursday could work, but then you have... It could yeah, work, I uh, but I think my whole point is that they got to... College football is the second most popular sport in the United States by far to the, to the NFL, and they have to jump through all these hoops because the NFL is expanding and kind of uh, Xing them out a little bit. Yeah, the NFL bigfooting somebody. That's, that's odd I've for them. I've never heard that. I've never. never seen them do that before. That's really interesting. <laughs> Topic one. All right, now we move to our topics. And topic one, the NBA comes back. The NHL is now starting to get into full swing. So some big moves in broadcasting on both Turner and ESPN, which are the big carriers for both now the NHL and NBA. Let's start with the NBA. The NBA started this week a new season on ESPN and on Turner. Uh, lots of on-air changes. Take us through some of those. The biggest one, the legend Marv Albert retired. Yes! <laughs> Let's hear your Marv Albert. I, I'm not doing it. I only do a friend listen, dog. I do a princess. I, I'm not, everyone does yes, and they do it well. I'm not a good... I don't do it well. I, honestly, I love impersonations. It is so great that I cannot do impersonations because I would be unbearable. I'm already pretty unbearable. I'd be even more unbearable if I could do impersonations. So, yes. I mean, it's terrible, right? All right? Marv, though, legend for yes, for everything. First year out, Turner. They've not named uh, a lead play-by-player, uh, kind of going by committee. They have... Uh, Kevin Harlan, Brian Anderson, Ian Eagle. I don't think they really want to spend the money. They're paying Marv a lot. Uh, Ian Eagle is clearly the best. Got to be Ian Eagle. He's, yeah, he's the best think. of the three. Oh. Kevin Harlan, though, you could, you might deserve it. He's been there a long time, and obviously he's very good, very busy. Kevin Harlan. I'm not as big a Brian Anderson fan as other people. Um, I find him not as engaged in the NBA. He doesn't you know, the know thing it with as well. Brian, though, is like it's like Laura Rutledge. He's doing baseball. He does so much. So you can almost see them yes. saying, like, yeah, we're going to give you the number one spot. Yes, I think it's a mistake, though. And I also think it's a mistake that they haven't um, anointed. They don't have a number one analyst, too. Chris Weber last year before the playoffs, he said, I'm out of here. They're going to let him go anyway. So they don't have really a number one analyst. They have, you know, Reggie Miller, Stan Van Gundy, Grant Hill, uh, Jimmy Jackson. They have a bunch of analysts there, but they, don't, they haven't said who's number one. They'll, they'll work it out. I think they're trying to avoid that. And it's kind of interesting. Everyone focuses on ESPN and they can't get their studio right. Uh, the NBA and the analysts, you know, Turner hasn't really rectified that. And I do think if you want to be considered them as on the marquee with ESPN, you really do need to have that number one crew 
Um, and the best crew to me is Ian Eagle and Stan Van Gundy. You want to add in Reggie Miller um, or Jim Jackson or Grant Hill uh, when you go into the postseason. I could see doing that. To me, that's your best team, but I'm not sure if Turner is going to do that. So what's your understanding? Are they going to announce this? Uh, certainly, they have to announce it before the playoffs. Who's going well, to I think it's also a matter of, if you look at the schedule, like right now, Brian Anderson's not going to start at the beginning of the year because he's doing baseball on TBS. You go to the end of the year, you, you run into now, it's going to be a normal schedule. Harlan could possibly do it. Brian Anderson can do it. Um, and then maybe I knew you could do it. I'm not positive about that. Brian Anderson and, and Kevin Harlan, they've been with Turner longer. I mean, I think Ian Eagle's done some games, but they've, they've been there longer. So I don't know what – obviously, they have to have somebody do the games. I just think you want to have that marquee. You know, again, it's hard to replace Marv, even if Marv wasn't as great as he once was at the end of his career uh, on, the, on the sidelines doing play-by-play. -play. But – um, but I still think you want that. I think there's a marquee to it that you want to create that comes in. It can't just be the studio show, and that se seems to be Turner's philosophy. It's just the studio show, which is obviously maybe the best ever, Barkley, the whole thing. But it's just something that kind of, I think, is an emerging topic in terms of NBA and, and, and the broadcasting space. Let's move to ESPN. Uh, Rachel Nichols, Maria Taylor story got more clicks for me personally, and I wasn't, it wasn't even in, in front of the story most of the time. What's going on there? So, yeah, so it's a total. I, I think what Jimmy Pitaro said to us last week was uh, very important. And, and, and we, when I asked him about if you could have a do over, now he didn't really want to answer. He said he appreciated the question. And I you know, told him I, you know, that's why I asked it. Um, but what he said, if you go back, I went back and listened. And he talked about how he wants NBA Countdown and NBA Today, which is the new jump, to work together. And that was really the problem with Rachel Maria. There was infighting for a long time before everything came to the surface with the New York Times story and the private comments being leaked. Uh, and then Rachel now gone from ESPN, Maria moving to NBC. So now they're totally new crew. Uh, they had... They debuted this week with Mike Greenberg um, is going to be uh, the host. Uh, and then you have, again, proven people with Stephen A. Smith, Michael Wilbon, Jalen Rose, Magic. Uh, that's their crew uh, that started uh, on Wednesday. And then the New Daily Show is, is led by Malika Andrews, uh, who is the you know, up-and-coming uh, another up-and-coming star, kind of like Laura Rutledge, doing that daily show. You see where things are going. I think that's where you want to be in those daily shows if you're a studio host. Uh, so it's interesting. These shows, we, we, you said a lot of clicks. We write about them a lot. Obviously, there's a lot of controversy. I had to deal with race and, 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 a, and a lot of different issues um, with Maria and Rachel. Uh, and so uh, that became a broader topic. The shows don't get as much focus. Like, I mean, if you watch the NBA Finals, the halftime show in the <laughs> countdown, it was like one minute where you're... you're uh, Everybody you're, had like five, five words to say. Your ad then, people. Yeah. Who's, your, who's your lead ad person at this? Rita Farrow. Rita Farrow. She, she loves it. Yeah, she loves yeah. it. She, she sold 100 ads and they had about three <laughs> seconds of, uh, of actual content. So good for Rita. She, sold a, she made a lot of money there. So but that's an interesting sidelight to it. But I think they want to make it... I think at the, at the minimum, ESPN, they just don't want the noise. Yeah. They, they do know, the show, don't have the noise. All that noise and all that upheaval. And their at-game announcing crew, they've been together for a long time. They've done the most finals, more finals than, than any, any other broadcast crew. And I think they're really good. And that shows like so much stability. And because of what, what's been happening with their studio shows, there's always this, this um, narrative about ESPN that their NBA coverage is filled with instability. And, and, and what, what gets the most viewers, it's not in, unstable at all. No, you're right. Bre Breen's great. And I think Van Gundy really you makes do a that. Bang, right? Yeah. Uh, you want me to do more impersonations? Yeah. <laughs> Nobody's going to listen to this podcast except to make fun <laughs> of me, probably. 
bang! I know, it's terrible. That right. was Marv Albert doing Mike Breen. Doing terrible. It's just not, I can't do impersonations. You know, people are like, this guy is critiquing me? Okay. Anyway, uh, it, but Breen's great. Uh, Van Gundy makes it go, and then Jackson's a great compliment to the two of them, and, and that's been, that's, that's a great crew. It, they, they, that's a crew that ESPN has gotten right. They've had trouble on games overall across the board, but NBA, they get right. Let's go real quick to the NHL. Oh, yeah. We're one week into the NHL. Like, what, what, do, you, what do you think so far? I mean, I think the, the big one was there was a bidding war or a fight for Wayne Gretzky. First week, the thing you got to look for Gretzky, and this is something, you know, when talking to people in the business and watching, you know, they made the first show all about Gretzky, at least the first seven, eight minutes of it. And does Gretzky want to be there? It can't just be about, you know, Gretzky, um, his ability and his, his being the greatest player of all time. You can't, can't, every show can't be about that. It has to be him giving insight. And what they need to do is just to loosen him up. He doesn't need to criticize. He doesn't need to be Charles Barkley, but you need Wayne Gretzky laughing, having fun, and putting him in position to explain things. I think you want to get him kind of telling little particulars of things that he might notice in terms of just um, uh, minor details that make players great, and that's where they have to get. And I didn't, it wasn't terrible, but I didn't see that that first show. Um, so I think Gretzky is interesting. Sean McDonough on the ESPN side, first game, lacked a little energy. Uh, again, too early. McDonough's a great play-by-play guy. Uh, I, I almost always like him. I, for whatever reason, that first game he did. I thought Bucci-Gross was good his first game. Again, too early to make calls, but those are a couple of initial ones. Gretzky's the big one to watch, though. Yeah, you know what I've noticed is that both on ESPN and on Turner, it's the on-air people are so excited. Like, like I saw Steve Levy on air, oh, you know, yes. and, and it, you could just tell it was bursting through the screen how excited he was to be calling hockey again. A hundred percent. I think you, you could see it through every through through all of the on-air talent. It just means so much. You know, these niche sports. I'm a big soccer guy. These they're not niche sports. I they're probably again insulted at the NHL offices if you say they're soccer. But these sports that aren't they're not baseball. They're not basketball. They're not football. I just think there's a bond with their audience, their fans, and with the people who cover it. They're just like a love, a passion for it. And you're right, you could hear that with ESPN and when they, when they came back to it. And you know, Turner, usually, they do a good job. So it, we move to topic two. Topic two. John, a big story this week. Fox is going to make a deal to get the European championships. Um, and that is, that's another big summer event in soccer for the people out west at Fox. You know, ESPN has had them since 2008, built them up. I thought what they did with the Euros this past uh, summer was really good. Yep. I thought production-wise was, was very good. The way they, uh, they, they presented it to, on, on the screen was really good. And Fox really wanted the European Championships. Men's World Cup, they're going to have the Women's World Cup, they're going to have the Copa. Every single summer, they're going to have a gigantic soccer event with national teams. ESPN, CBS, and NBC, they love the club teams. They're doing La Liga deals. They're doing a Premier League deals. You know, that, that's not where uh, Fox wants to go. They, wanna, they really want to own these gigantic tournaments, and it fits with them, too, because they're going to be on broadcast. They're going to be on cable. They're linear TV property. Yeah, here. their thought is that they're going to reach more people, and they'll still have some games will be on FS1, right? So they'll still have a cable um, part of it. I do think there are some things. I'm going to make a couple predictions here. I think they're going to be out of MLS. 
You agree? A Fox? Yeah. Uh, certainly, yeah. Out of MLS. Um, I think this deal is not only going to be a Fox deal. I think there will be a streamer involved as well. I, I think that it's not only going to be Fox. That to get to that $300 million number, I think there's going to be a streamer. I don't know who it is, but I think there will be a streamer. Do you do you uh, agree with that? I have not heard that yet. So, okay. so, so you, you might be, you might be scooping us on this. Yeah, it's a little prediction. Check out Sports Business Daily later <laughs> this week. I'm going to be making calls. <laughs> By the end of the week, you'll have who it is. I'd say it there will be a streamer. Like you know who it is. You know? I don't know. I do not know who it is. I'd say it. I don't care. Well, I would say it. I don't know, but I do think there will be a well, streamer. I'm, I'm, I'm predicting. I'm predicting. I'm going to go through the streamers I'm right now. I'm not saying it. Am Amazon isn't. Uh, they, they don't necessarily. I mean, no other calls. I just. I just. I, I, little birdies talk to me sometimes. Okay. I, right. I, I, I sometimes go good. into that sports business lane and say, you know what, hey, let's see what I can I don't enjoy out. this, yeah. but, yeah. <laughs> so I do think that, I think it's not only Fox. Do you think, now, this moves us into the Premier League, all right? What happens in, with the Premier League? You wrote, I wrote a story, you wrote a story, Athletic wrote a story. Um, we're kind of all on the same page in terms of what we're hearing. Could be split between two entities, um, and they haven't done that before. Athletics said it could go nine years. I had not heard that. Um, I think more likely six that they were. They, that's what they just did. I know did, the U.S. networks are, are looking at six. Yeah, six, so, okay. So, so maybe the Premier League wants nine. But what, what, what I've been hearing is that, is that it's going to be six. And, I, and my bet is most likely it's going to be split between two. I'm told that the networks are pitching the Premier League to take a look at, the, at hockey. Hockey went mm. straight from NBC to now it's being marketed by Turner. It's being marketed by ESPN. And they think that that, that, helps, that helps everyone. But do you think then this is the argument? Okay, so Fox gets the Euros. The argument is you're reaching more people with broadcasts. If you go to the streamers, you might get more money now, but you're going to get a little bit lost. And I actually, again, this isn't how you should do research, but my own experience. When games for, like I'm a big soccer guy. I love the Premier League. Everton's uh, my team. But when they're on Peacock, I'm not as likely to watch. And are we sure, like I think ESPN has a great game plan in terms of what they're trying to do. But having a great game plan and being successful is not always the same thing. Like you can have a good game plan, it doesn't work. Are people definitely going to go and watch games streaming? The Premier League doesn't care. They want, they want the big check and they want the money. When, when ESPN and, and all these networks are doing NFL deals, the, their executives are taking Brian Rollup out to dinner and whining and dining him. Yeah. None of them are flying to London and doing that with anybody in the Premier League. It's all about money. ESPN built up the Wait, Hold on a second. So you, you're saying if you take Brian Rawl up out to dinner, you don't have to give the NFL money? You have to give them, no, you have to give them money. <laughs> There's Start, a little more schmoozing involved? There's a lot more schmoozing. I got it. Yeah, you, you don't you, have to you, smooge you, the Brits, you're listen, saying. Listen, David Levy, when he was at Turner, a bid more to try to get the NFL all the time, and he, he couldn't quite do it. And Wait, he, he doesn't have, they don't have a corporate card there? They go out to dinner well, with Brian well, Rollup? David has a relationship there, but the, the NFL sometimes won't take, they prioritize other things. They prioritize, prioritize broadcast. Uh, they, uh, they prioritize um, the relationships over there. When did the Premier League leave ESPN? I should know this off the top of my head. I want to say 12. 2012, I yeah, think. Yeah, I would say 12. When they did that, ESPN had built up the Premier League. ESPN wanted to keep the Premier League. NBC came in with a higher check, and then the Premier League gladly walked. It just yeah, I mean, that's generally how it happens. Um, it happens more with these international soccer properties than it does with these. But I think they're making, they could be making a mistake, though, because you go to a streamer and you're not as... Fond, you're not as you're not watched as closely. Now here's the thing. That said, let me let me go back a little yeah, bit. I but I think you I think if you're if you're if you're the Premier League, I want to be on ABC 
as much as I'm on NBC now, if I'm with ESPN, if I'm with Paramount Plus and CBS, I want to be on CBS as much as I'm on with NBC. I think that broadcast window is important, or, and even the cable window. You do want distribution long term. I don't think the Premier League looks at it that way. All right. I really um, don't. I, I think that if, you're, if you own Manchester United, you're you Manchester care. United. You don't care. People are going to find you. Yeah, you're probably. And this is just a foreign I'm market. I'm not saying they're going to take less money. I'm not saying yeah. that. I'm just saying you should think about your next deal. And I think if you're only thinking about this deal, just, and, and look, they're going to get the broadcast window. So maybe we're arguing in circles look, here in, a little in bit. In six years for the next, next deal, Arsenal, Man U, Chelsea, I mean, they're, they're big brands. They're, they're going to be fine. Notice I didn't put Everton in there. Sorry. <laughs> they should not. They are the, for people who don't know, they're like the New York Mets of soccer. The way they lose games, it is unbelievable. They're in the same city as Liverpool, because that's, it's in Liverpool, Everton. Liverpool is a classic club. It's a, it's a rebirth with Mo Salah, and they're, they're tremendous again. They, you know, they, they've um, won a lot of silverware recently. So, yeah, Everton, is uh, that's a tough team to root for. Topic three. ESPN is going to spin off from Disney. Puck, a newsletter company, it just was formed. They reported this last week. Uh, let's be fair to Puck, because I saw it some places, I felt like Puck reported one thing and people were denying another. So Puck said that there's been talks about spinning off ESPN. That's kind of been out there uh, previously, but it seems like they're kind of saying there's more momentum towards it actually happening. Uh, what do you think? You know, we had Jimmy Pitaro here last week. I asked him that on stage. He said he feels that Disney supports him just as, as well as, as they could. What I found the most interesting about that was that Disney came out and denied that report completely and immediately, which suggests to me that it was not a, 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 something that was floated by Disney. And so certainly there have been talks. We know there have been talks. Yep. There, there should be talks. Why wouldn't there be? But I, 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 nothing is going to happen with regards to this for several years. I got now. The one thing I will say is Jimmy Vitar is not going to say, "Yeah, we're going to get spun off." So that you know, that's one thing. He's not just so he's going to. They're going to hold their cards, and he probably wouldn't even. I don't know if he'd even be involved in that necessarily. He wouldn't when necessarily be, be in the know. Yeah. So that. and again, I'm not saying he's, he's telling us what he knows, and and I kind of tend to agree with you. I think it's very possible, but I don't see it happening right now. I, I think if you look at it, they don't. When you look at ESPN Plus and ESPN The Mothership, they're leasing their most valuable programming. Uh, when you talk about the NFL, the NBA, um, NHL, MLB, um, soccer, the games are the most important thing. So they're leasing those. If you look at Disney overall going direct to consumer, they own the IP, they own the intellectual property. So they make a Mandalorian, they own it, and they can make money off it forever. So it doesn't really fit in. It doesn't all come in very synergy um, perfect. So. Does it make some sense to spin it off or to sell it? The question I'd have is who you'd, you'd sell it to, and it'd probably be Amazon or Apple. Those would be, again, there could be a lot of people who'd want to buy it, of course, but those are people that you'd think of. Why would you want to give them that competitive advantage when they're doing the same thing going into streaming? Um, so, I mean, Amazon and Apple, they, they could buy Disney. Yes, if we're going to say yeah, they, exactly. Look, if Disney's big push is to go direct to consumer, and ESPN's big push is to go direct to consumer, and they're building up their direct to consumer as well, I, it's not going to happen anytime soon. There is a difference in the businesses, though, of what they're trying to do direct to consumer. Like okay. the leasing versus the owning oh, is course. a big difference. Yeah. So, so it is possible, but I don't see it happening at the moment. And now, by the time you're listening to this, it probably just happened. It like probably just happened. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I don't see it happening. We'll edit right this away. out. We'll edit it out. This never happened. <laughs> Topic four Sunday night baseball. Ooh. 
lot of movement. Matt Baskersian said he'd had enough after a four-year term with Alex Rodriguez at his analyst. He had Jessica Mendoza in there for a while as well, Buster Only, the dugout reporter. And so who's going to replace him is a big question. And then also uh, I had some Yankee news this week as well with John Sterling, 83-year-old legendary broadcaster for the Yankees. So what I want to know is how much input does A-Rod have and in, in who's going to be play-by-play? -play? All right, let's get to the nitty-gritty. Yeah. Norby Williamson is Jimmy Pitaro's right-hand man in terms of programming. He's overseeing it all. He has worked with Carl Ravitch forever. Ravitch has been uh, their studio face since Chris Berman uh, kind of left. He's not fully gone, of course, but um, who didn't do baseball uh, in terms of the studio anymore. So Ravitch has been the front man. ML, the ESPN is really kind of moving out of baseball in terms of regular uh, tonnage. They're not going to have weekday games. So all you have is Sunday. So Norby Williamson is the one. He wants Ravitch in there. Does A-Rod want Ravitch in there? And I think that's the question. Will that happen where Ravitch is the play-by-play -play guy, A-Rod's the analyst? Could they have a third person in there? Uh, A-Rod wanted David Cohn last year. I think Eduardo Perez is somebody they're very high on uh, who could potentially be involved. Um, so you look at it. I know A-Rod likes Michael Kay a lot, uh, the Yankee announcer. He worked with Kay and David Cohn. He likes Ryan Rucco, another ESPN announcer, also does Yankee games. Boog Shambi uh, is one of the best play-by-play -play guys in the business, has been in ESPN forever, does the radio, doesn't do the World Series, which is a little ridiculous. I love Dan Schulman, but Dan Schulman kind of parachutes in for the World Series, which is still, you know, was for a time made some sense. Now I'm not so sure. Again, love Shulman. He might be my favorite baseball play-by-play -play guy. Just weird that he does that World Series and, uh, and uh, Bukashambi doesn't. I digress. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> and then you also have Jason Benetti. You got to get him, get him in there, Dave Fleming. But I do think it's that Ravage, Norby, um, A-Rod thing and what happens there in that decision-making. So, so it's Ravage's to lose, it sounds like you're saying. I think so. I mean, most people think it's going to be Ravage. Uh, but if you look at the history of Sunday Night Baseball, they had John Miller in there for, yep. forever. You know, he did the, uh, the radio calls for the Orioles and then for the Giants. Yep. And so this wasn't, he wasn't a full-time ESPNer, but he was really well-known for being in that booth. So I could see ESPN saying, yeah, that worked for us. Let's let's go to, uh, you know, Boob Shambi or somebody like that. Yeah, that's, you could see that. And... But then you also look at what they've done. You know, they they've have rewarded their longtime ESPN employees. Chris Fowler on college football uh, was a studio guy and now is uh, their lead play-by-play -play guy for a long time on college football, doing the national championship uh, on the NFL. First was Joe Tessitore, now it's Steve Levy, again, long-time ESPN people. Book Chambi's been a long-time ESPN person as well. So Ravage sort of fits into that um, uh, criteria and what they've tried to do. They do want A-Rod back. We had Pitaro on last week. He said my reporting was accurate, which, uh, I mean, you know. You know, he You'd love to hear that. Yeah, he didn't need to Absolutely. say that. He didn't need to say that, but I did appreciate that. And so, yeah, that, that's where the situation is, and we'll see, it's going to be interesting to see how that one plays out. All right, we're a national podcast worldwide world we're a worldwide podcast we're going to talk about the yankees radio really it's the new year i mean hey, listen you, you act like it's like uh, the uh uh buffalo bisons with all due respect <laughs> to the buffalo bisons i love the people of buffalo and they're great fans out there it's the new york yankees all right tell us it's about john some... sterling it's somebody <laughs> tell us about some play-by-play -play guy for who are the advertising the people you mentioned <laughs> who are they Come on, John Diamond. John Diamond and, and Rita? Okay, listen, we can mention John Sterling. John Sterling, 83 years old. Susan Waldman's his uh, color analyst, uh, 75 years old. Uh, they're kind of 
um, like Waldorf and Stadler in the booth. They kvetch about everything. Sterling they got a lot of publicity in the wild card game. Stanton hit a shot off the green monster. It did look like it was gone. Vasquez on ESPN thought it was gone too. He was just, you know, flummoxed. Um, and, you know, then people are saying, will he be back? I've reported this week he will be back. Um, and look, but there's with something. With the caveat, right? With the caveat, he might do less games. Yeah. But I still think he'll do a lot. And they've tried to get him to do less, fewer games. It's the people you know, tweet me and these people who are like the grammar. Fewer games, not less games. Do you get the people who do, do email you, know you? I cannot figure out the difference between fewer and less. No, I got that one down because these people, they, what are you doing with your time? you got to email me if I write less games instead of fewer games. Anyway, uh, so he might do fewer games. Uh, but, look, he's 83. But the, the, I guess the national point, these, these jobs, when people get them, they do not want to lose. They do not want to leave. You know, Marv didn't really want to leave at the end there. Al Michaels, I think, is going to end up next year being at Amazon. Uh, and Sterling now at 83. This is his life. Susan Waldman, same thing. I covered the Yankees for a long time. They're, they're, they're really fun to be around. Sterling is just a uh, – he's in his own Sterling world. And it's just uh, – if you are it's, – it's funny. People love him or hate him. Because if you want to know what's going on in the game, he's not your best play-by-play guy. And that's not tremendous on radio. But there is a style to it. There's the home run calls. And so uh, he will be back. You know, it is a, an interesting uh, problem that's happening in sports media where there's a dearth of young play-by-play -play folks to, to draw from because so many people keep these jobs for yeah. so long. So I don't think – so I would say there's not – I wouldn't say that. I just don't think the opportunities – it's just sometimes these people don't want to – they're great jobs. Mm -hmm. They're calling the games. That's – if you talk to sportscasters, what they really want to do, they don't really want to be in studio. How Most of them want to call Sterling games. How old was Sterling when he called the, started calling games? When he first started calling, I mean, he was young. I did a big story. I don't know exactly. Twenties. I mean, he's been doing it forever. He's been doing it forever. He did the Braves. He was there. So decades the, of twenty-year-olds have never had that opportunity well, you, that he had when he was twenty. Do you remember the Rick Mailer game when the Mets and Braves on TBS? They went eighteen innings on July fourth, and the pitcher Rick Mailer had a home run. He was on the call for that game. He also used to do the Hawks games. He Dominique. He'd say because he has all these calls. He'd say Dominique. He's unique. Uh, so he's there's an impersonation. I, I was you know, nobody's ever heard that one, but um, but yeah, but he, he's he's a legendary figure. My my buddy Phil Mushnick, who's a mentor to me and uh, who I love, he he goes pretty hard on Sterling, going the opposite, not 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 legendary. He doesn't feel, but um, but Sterling, he'll be back. Uh. Topic five, MLB possibly going direct to consumer. John, can this? Will this? Why will this? Is this going to happen? Tell us. No, that's a big mess right now. Okay. MLB, MLB is trying to negotiate with uh, Sinclair. They're trying to negotiate with Comcast. They're trying to negotiate with Root Sports. They're, they want to go direct to consumer, but they have so many different difficult negotiations ahead of them with the RSNs, with the distributors. No, no, no current distributor is going to pay for an RSN if they're going to go direct to consumer with, 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 the, with the games. So they're, they're, the teams are going to lose a ton of money with that. Um, so that's something that they want to happen, but it's going to take a long time. On top of that, they have to negotiate with baseball, they have to negotiate with hockey, and everybody has to sort of come together on a direct to consumer service. When have you ever seen two or more, this would be three leagues, Agree on anything. That means I got an idea. Why don't they go to ESPN <laughs> Plus or Paramount Plus or Peacock? 
Uh, HBO Max, couldn't they do it with one of these? Wouldn't oh, that yeah. make more sense? They will, but they need, they will. They they need, need some leverage. Get, they need to get those, those rights. rights because so wait, right. so, we so, all right, so again, um, layman terms for us. So wh what's realistic when this could happen? Because I do think there is a definite market for this. There are people out there who want to just buy their local teams. They don't want cable. They want to watch the Yankees. They want to watch the Orioles. Why would they want to Sometimes, watch the Orioles? Not me. I don't want to watch them. <laughs> don't you watch the Orioles? Here, what? They've lost 110 did, games. I always see a tweet seasons. about it. Do you still watch the Orioles? I watch a couple of innings at the time. That's good for you. Uh, I mean, no, it's, it's a nice stadium. I'm a fan. What do you want? Yeah, good. So, but people want to do that. So, when would that be realistic that you can not have cable and 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 uh, watch your games uh, direct to consumer? Here's the problem: the consumers are going towards streaming, and so everybody wants to go towards streaming. Yeah. The RSNs. They pay so much for these rights, yeah, they don't and that's it. funding all the teams. Yeah. Uh, the streamers don't pay as much for rights as the RSNs. So there needs to be a bridge, or these clubs are going to lose a boatload of money because they, they can't just go direct to, to streaming. There needs to be a bridge to where they, they prop up the RSNs a little bit more and keep that gravy train going. You should write a story about everyone freaking out about this. Just kidding. John already did. Sports Business Journal, get that. Um, while I'm plugging, you should get New York Post Plus as well. I have a newsletter every Monday. John's newsletter is when? It's every Monday. Oh, Monday. Mine's, mine's in the morning. Mine's in the evening. Mine's in the morning. There you go. You can get the Martian and Orion uh, combination. For our, for our first podcast, I think you broke like three stories. And I, I felt bad. So like I had, to, I had to break a whole bunch on Monday. There, there you yeah, go. There you go. Competition starting up. Call of the Week. All right, we finish up as we do every week with Calls of the Week. Let's do yours first. All right, mine is Lauren Shahadi from TBS. Uh, I gave her credit on Twitter. I wrote about it in my newsletter. Uh, she nailed a post-game interview with Austin Riley, and I'm a huge question person. I love when you ask questions the proper way. She did this the other day when Riley had the game-winning hit in the NLCS. Austin, you know this game is hard, right? Yeah. <laughs> 40,000 shouting MVP. What's that like? It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. You know, it, you know, it took a whole team effort. I, you know, the, our pitching staff, you know, they here lately they've been unbelievable. And, and what they did is just, you know, in front of these fans, it's amazing. You step to the plate. What are you trying to do? Take me through it. You know, why? I looked over at Wash and said, base hit. That's all you need. And, that, you know, that's, that was my mindset. Just, just put something in play and see what happens. What I like about that is that, first off, she got the emotion with the first question. And the questions are short and concise. And they don't, they don't make a, a lot of assumptions, which a lot of people do. And the interviewee is left saying, no, not this. It wasn't that. Instead, it's just give them uh, a place to take off. And he did. And then she got into the strategy. And, and it went on. There's a couple more questions. I think four questions in total. But that is A-plus stuff. And my problem with that, the problem, the reason that it means to, for me is that I just can't stand when sideline reporters come in at the end of, and they don't ask good questions. It's like basically, not, it's not your only job. There, there's other hits during the game. But it's your main job, probably your most important. Please think about the questions, the whole game. For all nine innings, you'd be thinking about what am I going to ask? And again, and that one happened quickly. Like Riley just got the hit. They're celebrating. Boom, a minute later, Shahadi's talking to, 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 to Riley, and it was really good stuff. I was worried when that started because there's nothing I hate more than, hey, how are you feeling? We see how he's feeling. He's yeah. jumping around the, 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 the field. He just had the game-winning hit. I was like, oh, no, here we go. But like you said, she asked simple, direct questions 
and uh, and she, she brought it back for me. That's four out of five. I hate that start. Yes, I don't need to hear that. Yeah, start. see, but you're you see people. I don't know why how you're feeling. I get it. What, what, what's your answer to how you're feeling? No, but I'm she said. Great. But she said, um, "There's they're, they're shouting your name, MVP. They're shouting MVP, right?" Um, and like, how does that feel? Because you get that emotion. I, I want to know how people feel. I, I, I don't really think that question is bad. That question gets a bad rap, in my opinion. Uh, that how question's one out of five cluckers. Yeah, I think if you say, I hate when people ask, like, are you, like, you lost three in a row. Are you frustrated? Andrew, people are shouting your name. How do you feel? I feel great. Yeah, but you want to hear the, that what emotion. The, what's a possible answer to that? Yeah, I mean... I think it's harder than you think, though. I, th that's the one thing. I, I'm getting on sideline reporters. It's harder than you think. Every the, There's crowds going crazy. You're trying to get your thoughts. There's someone in your ear telling you what to do. You only have a certain amount of time. you got to get in and out to get four questions. That, that It was only a one-minute interview. There's a lot going on, so it's harder than you think. And I think the how-do-you-feel question, to me, gets a bad rap because you're trying to – you also have to – if you have the – again, it depends how many questions you get. I'm big in the momentum of an interview. You want to get someone started. She got Riley started, and then he um, kept going, and, and it was really good. All I, right. I thought she recovered from it. I, I thought that the other questions were – What did you say, four out of five clickers? Four out of five. That no, first I'm one was the four, seven, four point seven nine out of five. Call of the week for you, Call John Warren. I'm going to Tony Romo. Guys? Tell me if this is going to go ahead and play that. Is this what you do on a running play, Jim? <laughs> if you're a wide receiver, go ahead and watch up top. Noah Brown. He's taking it all the way across. They were going to hand off and have everybody block one-on-one -on -one and throw it all the way across the field. Oh, you can't come back and do it again, can you? That, to me, is exactly why Nance and Romo are probably the best duo in doing uh, the NFL right now. Tony Romo accurately predicted five plays before it happened what the game-winning play was going to be. And I just thought that was, that's, why, that's why we listened. He showed me some, something I didn't see. He prepared me for something that was going to happen. And it happened in five plays. So I almost forgot about it, but I just, I just thought that was, that was Tony Romo predicting. I thought it was fantastic. Yeah, Romo is good like on the big hits. Like He is, I would say, when you're watching a game, I would say like, Troy Aikman is kind of like the guy at the end of the couch drinking a beer, doesn't say a lot, but then when he says something, you're like, oh, Troy just said something, what did he say? And then Romo is more like, hey, you see this, you see this. And so over time, the guy who's just kind of chill usually is a little bit more liked because it's just a little bit easier. But Romo, he has that, he's really good and people are going to, you know, again, I don't get into the stuff, but, you know, because of his playing career, he didn't win, he, I think he won one playoff game. He's really good in the big games. Like, that's where he kind of rises because he's very, he focuses very much on the game. He's not great on, like, in blowouts. He doesn't know the league as well as others do. I don't think he studies as much as others do. But in big games, which is what they're paying him for, and they are paying him a lot of money, $18 million a year, uh, 17.5 is salary, and then 500 extra uh, for... Um, travel and, and other things. Look, that's 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 classic Romo to, to give you the prediction. Like Romo is different. He's he's not on that John Madden level yet, but it's different. He, he they have something there, CBS, and they're going to have it for a long time because uh, he's only in the second year of a ten-year deal. Ten, ten-year deal. Ten years, by the way, can you imagine that? Ten years. There's one broadcaster in my life who kept people uh, during blowouts, and that was John Madden. 
And I, I, so, so that, that, that's damning with a sort of faint praise there, like the fact that Romo can't, can't keep people through, through a blowout. Um, no, no, it's not that. It's just I think in like lesser, like he, they always have a good game. Yeah. You know, that's the thing about like Monday night, which I think kind of hasn't been fair for those crews, is that they're always a standalone game and it's not always a great game. Uh, Buck and Aikman, Nance, uh, and Romo, they're always getting a great game. Like they, you know, they, we always talk about flexible ske scheduling. They basically have flexible scheduling too, CBS. They have a, you know, a, a menu of games and they get to put, uh, generally speaking, I mean, they have to do it a little bit in advance, but generally speaking, they get the best game each week. Uh, so that, that's helpful as well. And then of course, you know, Al and, and Chris and, and right. Knight get the best game. All right, so let me put you on the spot. The best NFL analyst today is? I'd probably still go Romo. Mm -hmm. um, I just think he brings the – I'd say Aikman's there, though, with him. It's just different. It's different. Um, it was a trick question. It's Peyton Manning. Oh! Ah, there you go. <laughs> Actually, it's Eli Manning. <laughs> Eli. That, it's Eli go. Manning. Uh, that's good. All right. Well, that's going to do it. Uh, any closing thoughts? No. The, the third one, this is, it flew by. It flew by. So some weeks we're going to have a guest. We had Van Pelt go back and listen to that one first week. Jimmy Pitaro, we kept him for a half an hour. He was great second week. And then it was just, you know, you're frequently a guest on Trainer's podcast and Deitch's podcast. I'm not on Deitch's podcast for some reason. I don't know why. You uh, did Brian Burger, <laughs> the uh, Sports Business Sports Business radio. Journal. Yeah. Uh, sports Business, excuse me, Sports Business Radio. Um, I did that one. Uh, so we're on other podcasts, so we can just talk to each other. And, and so not every week we're going to pick and choose and, you know, a lot of weeks we won't. Hopefully you enjoy this. We'll listen to your feedback as well. And if you can, uh, subscribe. Give us the stars. Uh, and that, that's helpful, apparently. So we appreciate that. If you do that, tell a friend. Um, and, uh, again, you can catch us on YouTube as well. If you're listening on the podcast, you can YouTube. Fancy graphics. Fancy graphics, they say. A lot of people are talking about that. Uh, so that's good. So that's going to do it. John, thanks again. Uh, really enjoyed it. See you all next week. Bye.